Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 38, week 38, volume 38, number 38. How you going, guys? Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've had a great week. So this week, we've got all the Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and our Mosh interview this week is with Scott of Bleed From Within. All of that coming up in a jam-packed show. So let's start things off like we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. Bit of a quiet week this week, but a lot of new music and new music videos have been released. Unearth unleashed another track from their forthcoming album. The track they released is called Survivalist. It's from the album Extinctions, which comes out November 23rd on Century Media Records. So we're hearing them branch out into a slightly different sound than the metalcore we're used to. It is still metalcore, but it really has a little bit of a different feel. I'm not sure if this song has repeatability for me, but I am still very excited for the album because I am a massive Unearth fan. So as I said, the song is called Survivalist. The upcoming album is called Extinctions comes out November 23rd on Century Media. So make sure you check that out if you're into Unearth. British Mosh Boys' Bury Tomorrow released a new music video for their track More Than Mortal. That song comes off their recently released album Black Flame, which we loved. If you haven't heard our review, make sure you go back and have a listen. We did give it a 10 out of 10. Really good music video. They're a band that really seem to put a lot of time and effort into the video. So that video is for the song More Than Mortal. It's from their album Black Flame, which you can get now. Melbourne hardcore weirdos Dreg have come back with a new song and a new music video. The song is called Return of the Dreg, and you can find it now on all streaming and downloading services. So, Dreg are one of those bands that I think there's a lot of interest and a lot of hype behind. Part of it is because of the music, part of it is because of the imagery. They're a very interesting band. They've taken some time out, really considered how they look. There's a bit of everything. There's a hockey mask. There's a weird-looking red face. A band that are very much into that image that goes with the music feeling. I really like this song, Return of the Drag. It's really quite exciting. It's got some really big two-step mosh moments, and I'm excited to see if this will come off an album or an EP. But that song, that music video, is definitely worth checking out. It's called Return of the Drag, and it is by Dreg. Iron Reagan released another taste of their upcoming EP. The song is called The Devastation. The EP is called Dark Days Ahead. And it comes out next week, which is October the 12th. Iron Reagan are one of those bands that, if you love your crossover thrash, you'd be silly not to check them out. Really good song, really good band, heavily underrated. I really recommend you delve into this if you like a bit of thrash, a bit of crossover. So the song is called The Devastation. The EP is called Dark Days Ahead. And that EP comes out October the 12th. British hardcore band Black Coast have announced their upcoming release will be called Ill Minds Volume 1. 
will be released on November the 9th. They also released a music video for a new song called SLY. Black Coast are one of those bands coming from England that need your attention. It's really exciting, hardcore. It's got a feeling of cancer bats. It's got a feeling of every time I die. And it really is infectious. Really good band, really exciting band. So the song is called SLY. And it's coming off their upcoming release called Ill Minds Volume 1, which comes out November 9th. Make sure you give those guys a follow and make sure you check that song out. Last bit of music news this week is Architects released another song from their upcoming album, which is called Holy Hell. The song they released is called Royal Beggars and that album Holy Hell comes out November the 9th. This is just Architects doing what they do. It's next level. It's got this insane melodic scream that Sam Carter does. It's just, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's just, I can't wait to delve into this album. Everything about this band is just next level. So that song is called Royal Beggars, and the album it's coming from is called Holy Hell and comes out November 9th. So that's it for the Mosh News done for this week. So any of those songs, any of those music videos, any artwork for upcoming releases, any upcoming tours, any upcoming pre-order links, all of that information that we talk about in the Mosh News segment, you can find on our website and social medias. Our website, of course, is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you're subscribing to the website. Make sure you're liking and following us on the social medias so that you stay up to date when we update you. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week is the brand new album by Behemoth called I Loved You At Your Darkest, which is out now. First things first, this is the 11th album into Behemoth's career, and this album clocks in at 12 tracks. Behemoth, of course, whether you know them or not, they are black metal favourites. They've got a massive cult following, and they're a band that go into this album with a lot of high expectations, a lot of high attention, following how well their previous album, The Satanist, went. When you hear this album, you need to understand it's not a continuation of The Satanists in its sound. It's more of a standalone album and an album that shows you everything you should expect and something new. The first noticeable thing I noticed is that the production is very raw, very rough, and they could have gone for a very slick, very boombastic sounding album but instead they went for the very gritty sound and it works for their sound this album feels more melodic there's no radio friendly songs when i'm speaking melodic what i mean is the writing tone has gone slower they're building more emphasis on the melody that they can create inside this chaos that is blackened death metal When I do say melodic, some people automatically think clean singing, and surprisingly there is a splash of it thrown in here, but it still works, and it's still dark, and it's still behemoth. 
the orchestral elements and moments that you expect from a black metal band and that you expect from Behemoth have been done perfectly here. It's not overdone. It's not too gimmicky. It feels well suited. Another thing that jumps out at you is the lead guitar work is more at the forefront of your listening on this album. From the solos to the lead guitar passages, everything here helps enhance the mood. And it not only is the quick, frenetic stuff you expect, but it is that slow, very grinding, very doom element as well. And it's all amazingly done. Nurgle, the vocalist, has again achieved an outstanding performance, not only with his vocals, but with his lyrics. The subject matter is what you expect. It is all that anti-religion, anti-God stuff. Now, sometimes that subject matter can come across corny, but when it comes out of Nurgle's mouth, it comes out with passion, precision, and it's as venomous as you'd expect it to be. Overall, this album, Behemoth have taken their sound, tweaked it ever so slightly and resulted in a very outstanding release. It pays homage to their roots while incorporating their recent sound and showing there's a continued growth within this band. Some bands the size of Behemoth wouldn't even bother doing so and especially after a successful album they had previously. But it shows Behemoth still have their artistic integrity and still have a lot of belief in their career. I think this album will be loved by everyone that loves Behemoth. Some people, it might take them some time and it might be a slow burn, slow grower, but I think overall everyone will really appreciate this. This is another stacked album in their discography. And... I have to say, a very exciting future in store for Behemoth. All of these songs are going to translate amazing live. So this is simply for fans of Behemoth. This is for fans of black metal. This is for fans of blackened death metal. The album I am talking about is I Loved You At Your Darkest. It is by Behemoth. It is out now, and we do give it a 9 out of 10. Next album up for review this week is the new album by Ice Nine Kills titled The Silver Scream, out now. So this is the fifth album by this band and this is 13 tracks long. If you've never come across this band before, what you need to know is they love horror, they love gore and they love dark fantasy. They musically are very much metalcore and... Love it or hate it, it is very much in the cliche way you expect that genre to sound. Now, this album, as the title and artwork suggests, it's all taken inspiration from slasher horror movies. This then results in sound bites and lyrical context that is all representative of those movies. So you've got songs about... The Nightmare on Elm Street. You've got songs about Jaws. You've got songs about Halloween. That's how it goes. The band have clearly taken a lot of time and a lot of effort with this album. And they certainly haven't half-assed the job. I think an important thing when listening to this album is to know that 
it isn't supposed to be taken seriously. It's supposed to be cheesy and it's supposed to be fun. The sound effects, the sound bites, the horror lyrics, all of that when you say that can sound cringeworthy. But in this context, done the way this band have done it, it is quite fun. It is immersive and quite dramatic of a listen. Musically, it's everything you expect from metalcore. Layered riffs, lots of chugs, stock standard big drums, thumping double kick, Beauty and Beast vocals, synthy atmospheric effects. All of that that you expect is there. If there is a negative and I have to give a negative, it's that I think the repeatability and the charm of this album will wear thin after a while. I don't think it's going to last forever. It is very entertaining and it gauges you for a while, but I think will you be listening to this two years down the track? If you are a fan of the band, maybe. If you're a fan of horror movies, maybe. But if you're a casual listener, I don't think you will. But nevertheless, this album is a lot of fun. And it has no right to, and it shouldn't be, but it really is quite entertaining. Each track has you delving in, listening close for those movie references, those moments from the movies that you remember. All of it, like I said, engages you. So if you get into this album, just have fun with it. Don't take it too seriously and enjoy the ride. This is for fans of horror movies. This is for fans of bands like Rob Zombie, Motionless and White, Marilyn Manson. The album I am talking about is The Silver Scream. It is by Ice Nine Kills. It is out now. And we do give it a 6 out of 10. Our last review this week is the debut EP by God Complex, titled Created Sick, out now. So first things first, as I said, it is the band's debut EP. It's five tracks long. And this band is another one of these hot, up-and-coming English bands that need your attention. Being five tracks, the band certainly have no time to waste, and they do not waste it. They go hard from the start, and it's pure sonic devastation and destruction going on in your speakers. One thing that you cannot deny with this EP is it's jam-packed with frenzied music and blistering hate, and it is so fucking good. Really, really good. This band, God Complex, are one to really pay attention to. While some of the things the band does musically have been heard before, this band have a way of making their own spin on it, keep it fresh, keep it exciting and make you want to listen to it more and more. There is sledgehammer blast beats, huge destroying breakdowns, choppy rhythms, layered head-banging grooves, brutal blood-spitting vocals. It is really well delivered. If there's any negative you can give this, and I wouldn't really call it a negative, it's more of a compliment, is that This EP felt a bit too much like a teaser. You get into it, you get so excited, and there's only five tracks. I wish there was a bit more. I wish there was another five, another four maybe, just a bit more. I would have loved an album of this. So I'm definitely paying a lot of attention to these guys for what they do next. 
Another thing you have to say about this EP is you can just envisage how well these songs will translate in a live setting. God Complex have released an outstanding debut and they're an underground band that everyone should know and get onto now. God Complex are destined for bigger things. Expect these guys on bigger shows. Expect these guys to blow up very soon. So if you want to jump on board, now is the time. Jump on board before everyone else tells you about this band. Be in the know. God Complex is furious, angry, brutal and engaging. This is for fans of Alpha Wolf, Loathe, Knocked Loose, those kind of bands. The EP I am talking about is Created Sick. It is by God Complex. It is out now and we do give it a 9 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews, done and dusted in the can for this week. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know. Is there something coming out that you want us to review, or is there something we might have missed? Get in touch. Let us know. Are you in a band? Have you got an upcoming album or an EP that you'd love reviewed on the show? Get in touch. Let us know. So if you want to get in touch, there are several ways you can. You can get in touch through the email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through our website. The website is www.themoshzone.com. Or you can get in touch through our social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And our handle is at the Mosh Zone. Get in touch. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. It's that time of the show. It is time for our Mosh interview. So this week, after many months, finally able to speak to Scott of Bleed from Within. So, so glad I was able to finally get him on the show. Thank you so much, Scott, for taking time out for me and the show. Really fun chat. He's a really nice dude, really chill dude, and an absolute honor to have him on the Mosh Zone. That chat with Scott is coming up now. Um, So, do you remember kind of what age you were and... Like, what band made you discover music? Like, not necessarily heavy music, but just music in general. Um, to be honest, I don't think I, like, I got into music until I started listening to, like, obviously I listened to, like, records mom and dad were listening to, like, Elvis and all that kind of stuff, but I wasn't really into music. Then I was, when I was a kid, I was mostly just into football and skateboarding, <laughs> but... I think when I, when I properly got into music is when I got into high school and I started listening to like Limp Bizkit, Linkin Park and like Pantera and Incubus and all that kind of stuff. That's when I started to like really love music. So who yeah. who helped you discover that Limp Bizkit? Was it someone that just came over to you and said, you know, you got to listen to this or was it like a family friend? It was, or... all my, all my, it was all my friends in high school. Like, because when, when I was in high school, like me and our bass player from the band David and stuff, we we've all been friends since we've been really really young and we all used to skateboard together and i think it was just through the kind of culture of skateboarding that we kind of started listening to heavier music and stuff and a lot of the kids that we skateboarded with 
at the time we're listening to like Slipknot and Marlon Manson and Limp Bizkit and all this kind of stuff. So I, just, I think I just got into it through that. And then obviously I just fell in love with heavy music and music in general. But I think the more I've got older, my music taste has matured a lot. Like maybe only been like the past five years I've started listening to bands like Queen and stuff like that. Because you know what it's like when you're a kid, you just want to listen to the heaviest music possible. And I think as you get older, your taste matures a lot. And yeah, it's not until I've got older I've started really like reaching out into other things and stuff like that. And I, I probably would say I, because of that, I've, the past like five years or something, I've not really been listening to as much metal mm. as I usually would, just because I'm kind of listening to other things. So how was how was high school for you? Were you uh, deemed a metalhead? Did you call yourself a metalhead? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And how how was that? Yeah. I mean, were you were you outside? At, at the time, I didn't really enjoy high school. But looking back on it, it was actually quite a magical time in your life. I think like you just every day you just hang out with your friends, and I think the actual learning part of it was probably something that we didn't really do so much. <laughs> And were was was were you were you a uh, academic kid or were you a bit of a mischief? A bit of a mischief, to be honest. <laughs> was that yeah. the skating? Was that the skating atmosphere that was influenced? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think I was just part of that kind of culture growing up, like this like skater kid that listens to metal and doesn't want to go to school and just wants to hang out with my friends. And I used to like. Skive off school all the time. Now, what was it like with your family at home? Were, was metal considered, you know, cliche satanic? I mean, how did the folks react to you listening to things like Slipknot? Oh, they just didn't understand it. Like my <laughs> my family were always very supportive. They never really, they never really told me what to do with my life or like how to live my life. They always kind of left me to make my own decisions, and I think they just thought that it was just a phase. Oh. And when yeah. when did you decide, I mean, do you remember when you said, this is what I want to do as a career? Because it's a fair thing to decide to go down a musical path. I think it was the first show we ever played. We played a show, in, our first ever show in August 2005. And I remember just not really knowing what I was doing at all. And, but I knew that. It was quite. It was actually a sold out show because, like, it was a first ever show, so all of our friends obviously came, and it was just the most surreal experience of my life. And I remember thinking, this would be the coolest thing ever to do in my life. <laughs> so we just kind of stuck at it, and I think, I think the fact that we've we've all been best friends since like many many years before the band even started, like we all got into music together. So I think that plays a part in why we're still a band after like fourteen years. And why why vocals when you started out? I mean, did you want to play an instrument or did you want to be the frontman? The first time I ever heard the first time I ever heard like someone's properly like screaming and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And I think that was probably the defining moment that made me want to be a vocalist was the you know, the opening scream in the Great Southern Trinkill. Oh yes, yes. The first okay. time I heard that I, I genuinely just thought it was like the first time I listened to it, I just kept rewinding back to this scream. Before I would like ten times before I would listen to the full song, and I just remember being so blown away by it that I think that, I mean, it was a long time ago. I struggled to remember, but I think if I had to pinpoint a moment, it would probably be first time hearing the scream in the great song Kill. Now, did you take lessons? Did you kind of 
you know, look into techniques or did you just kind of, you know, give it a go? No, and... no I just kind of gave it a go and it didn't sound terrible. I mean, it probably did if I listen to it now, but um, it wasn't until the, the, the last album that I did a few vocal lessons because I was putting more melody and stuff into my vocals that I just thought I would do a, a vocal lesson just to see how it goes. And I did a vocal lesson with one of my friends, you know, the uh, singer of Tesseract, Dan Tompkins. Yep. So he's like a professional vocal coach. So when he was up in Glasgow, um, we just done like a vocal lesson just to see how I was with singing, more just about my technique and about breathing and posture and all that kind of stuff. And it helped so much. And over the years, have you ever blown out your voice? Um, to be honest, not I can remember, no. There's been a few times where I've been a bit hoarse, but that was mostly to do like just being ill on tour for like two months at a time and but I've never ever ever blown out my voice. No. I think I've always I think I've been quite lucky. Like the way I started screaming I don't think was too far off the mark. And I always, always like the warm ups and trying kinda of, like even just get the blood pumping. Like I run about a load loads before a show and just kinda of, like mentally prepare myself for it as well as physically prepare myself. And I always warm up and stuff. So I've always I've just never hurt myself. I guess I've been lucky. So going back to the start of the band, you said around 2005 and you were saying you're all friends at school and yeah. at start, was it just, you know, have some fun? Cause you said, you know, you played your first show, sell out. Was it, we'll see what happens or was it from the offset? It was, we're going to make something of this. No, I don't think, I don't think we had that like, attitude at all towards it we were more it was more just about being in a band with your friends i think we we're probably a bit too young to think about it because i think i was like maybe 15 or 16 when we started the band Oof. and um yeah and i don't think it was we had that attitude at all until we got signed i guess for the first time which at, at the point we didn't realize the record label was a total joke but the it wasn't until that kind of happened that we started thinking, okay, maybe we could do something with this. And yeah. and you released, I mean, in the early years, there was two EPs. There was um, yep. In the Eyes of the Forgotten and then Welcome to the Plague Year. Um, how, yeah. oh, you, you got a bit of a grin there. I mean, is that is that a bit of a weird time for you? I mean, what, you wish you never released it? Well, it's just, it's just crazy to think back. I've not really thought about those EPs for a long time. Like, I don't feel like they're they're a part of our back catalogue at all. Cause I suppose it was cool for the time, but I just don't. I don't really like even remember much of those times. And it's it's so crazy to think how different things are now. Well, that's the thing. Your your band, your sound has always kind of progressed step by step. Um, you yeah. can see it with everything you've heard. And your first big release was Humanity, and. At the time, it kind of looked like you guys were suddenly, you know, getting a lot of shows, playing more frequently, turning into a hard-working band. Was yeah. this was this a time where you felt like success? I mean, success is a weird yeah. word to say, but do you feel like you were making your mark in a way? Yeah, well, that was that was the first re- uh, album we released on that record label that we first got signed to. So that's when things started to feel like we could maybe do something with this, like let's try and go on tour and see how that works. And I think that was the album where people started really paying attention. Like that was the 
the song that got like millions of views. That's first the first single from that first album, Servants of Divinity. That was the first song where people started to like pay attention, I guess. And we started getting a lot more attention from like overseas and stuff like that. So yeah, I think that was probably the moment where we thought we could maybe do something with this. I mean, looking back at that album now, it's not very I don't think it's a very good album to be honest. I mean, I'm still proud of where it got us and stuff, but I don't think it was until we released Uprising where we felt like we're getting better at what we do and we we felt proud of an album, I guess. So do you I mean, do you really not I mean you said you don't really count the EP. So what about um Empire as well? I mean, would you I mean would you say that that was a very rough um album or do you still think it was kind of another progression for you guys? I definitely think it was a progression from Humanity. I definitely think mm. it was a better album than that. But even looking back on Humanity and Empire, it's just I feel like that was when we weren't so good at like at what we do. I feel like or maybe not compared to now. Do you know it's really hard to have an opinion on that when you're actually inside yeah. that bubble. Mm. Yeah, but like, we don't play anything off Humanity Live anymore. Like never. We played one song from Empire on our last tour, and I, I just don't know if we'll play much of those albums anymore. Like that record label that we were signed to for those two albums, like completely screwed us over, and we don't even own the rights to those albums either anymore. So Whoa. we can't like, what? yeah, we couldn't, we, yeah, we couldn't do like a re-release of those albums or anything. Like we can uh. play the songs live, but even at that, like. After releasing, like, basically, see when we when we play shows nowadays, see if we play songs from Empire, and then we play songs from Uprising and Era, everyone sings the words to those last two albums, but no one even knows that album, that Empire album, because I feel like there's been a quite a significant growth in the band since Uprising came out, and it's basically the majority of our audience now is from those two albums, so whenever we play, like, stuff from Empire there's only like maybe a few people in the crowd that will know it and that's why we're still trying to put something in from those albums but we don't really do many headline tours or anything but we did one obviously a few months back and we played one song from Empire but like most of the time we'll be doing like a support tour we want to play which, what we feel is our best material that will win over a new audience so we're always just picked from those last two albums so I mean, can you go into much details about what happened to you guys with that label? Because clearly that's some that's some fucked up shit. If you can't even um, have the rights to it, you can't re-release it, re-record it, anything like that. We just basically got put in a quite a like shit situation with it, and we were in a lot of debt and stuff. And that's basically why we never. I think between Empire and. Uh, Uprising, yeah, there was like a good five years between those albums because of the debt and stuff we were in, yeah, Shit. which is the second thing that's happened to us now. So that's why we've only released like four albums in 14 years, yeah, 13 years, something like that, 13 or 14 years. Now, you, you mentioned one of the the pivotal pivotal albums that people know nowadays, and that's um, Uprising. And that album, it really kind of, you you guys took a whole different step. Um, It felt like you guys had taken more time out to record it. There was obviously a bit more money put into the recording process as well. Um, And you guys just, 
not that you didn't have groove, but groove has become part of you from that album. Um, yeah, like, see, the thing is, though, like, see, when we were doing the first two albums, we always intended, intended, sorry, to probably sound the way we sounded on Uprising, but I just don't think we were as good at our instruments as we were by the time we got to Uprising, because obviously we've gotten a bit older now, like, I'm 31, so, like, it's taken a long time to, like, just make my voice sound the way it does now, and, and, I, and I probably speak for the rest of the guys when I say that, like, everyone has got older and they've matured and they've probably got better at their instruments and I guess that's probably the way we always intended to sound but we just weren't as good when we released those first two albums. I'm not saying we're really good now or anything, I'm just saying we weren't as good then as we maybe have gotten a bit better now. But I think that was always the intention. Like when we started out, we wanted to sound like Lamb of God and Pantera. Like they, you know how they have that kind of southern groove laced in their metal that's kind of always what we wanted to sound like and i guess it wasn't until uprising where we kind of i think we started to master that a little bit uh, how how long did you take to record that album uprising uprising yeah uh, i think it was like two weeks two, two weeks okay and that that was the first of your century media um yeah connections how did that connection come about because you've been on this horrible yeah. label and then you get with one of the best, without a doubt, in the metal industry. Yeah, well, they, they actually reached out to us, I'm sure. To be honest, I don't really like see the whole uh, business side of the music industry. It puts me off being in a band. I absolutely hate it. Mm. So I try, I try my best to keep my distance from it as much as possible because it just totally uninspires me when I'm... I just... It's not the reason, I didn't start a band to for it to be a business. I started a band because I just love playing music. So I just I try, I try my best to keep it as close to that as possible but i'm pretty sure they they reached out to us and we obviously were interested now and that upright as you said was our first album on century media did that did how did that go over in um uk and europe the album was it really well received because um i know that you did some big shows with testament um you did some festival yeah. dates um i think megadeth was in in there as well we had the main, main support to Megadeth in the UK. Yeah, so, I mean, so obviously it was received really well. I mean, were you seeing a big turnout now for you guys at, on in your yeah. set? Yeah, like that uprising was, I think, when people started to really pay attention and take us a bit more seriously, as opposed to like when, when we released the first two albums, everyone used to think we're just one of these like, like deathcore bands. And I think it was when um, we released that album, people started to think, right, okay, this is like a metal band, let's try and promote them like a metal band. And that's probably why we got tours like Megadeth and Testament and probably not really the sort of tours we should be doing, to be honest. Like, they were obviously amazing tours, but those kind of fans probably don't listen to mm. our band or probably ever would listen to our band. But I think we need to be on tour with more younger current bands because I think that's... Whenever we play headline shows, it's not old metalheads that come to the shows. It's young, it's young kids. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are always like as a mixed bag. There are like quite a lot of older people, and I guess that's probably why it was a good thing to do those those tours because we maybe turned a few heads. But I think when you like do the comparison, there's a lot more younger kids at our shows. So I think we need to be on tour with more younger current bands, which is obviously what we're focusing on now. And I mean, were were you received 
at all negatively by those fan bases because they're pretty, you know, strict with what they listen to. It's like a Slayer crowd. Slayer crowds only yeah. on Slayer. It was one of those things that we we pride ourselves on being a live band. We practice constantly, and like our focus is just to be the tightest live band we can possibly be. And like when when we were walking on stage at those Megadeth shows, everyone. I mean, everyone was just silent. Like, no one, like, it was, there was, like, maybe a, a handful of kids that were there to see us, but the majority of people were silent. But you could see by, like, second, third song, people were starting to kind of, like, move their heads and then, like, cheer after songs. So we did definitely win some people over, so it was good in that sense, and we really enjoyed the challenge of that. But I think it was just, it wasn't our crowd at all. Mm. And I mean, uh, you then did the uh, Death Walk EP, which was crowdfunded. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Why crowdfund that one? Was Was it kind of, you know, you didn't want the label's backing? Was it? I mean, what was the reason? I don't ever remember the reasoning behind that crowdfunding. See, to be honest, like I'm supposed to say, oh, we did it because we wanted to be a part of it and blah, 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 blah. But, like, <laughs> we didn't. We got absolutely screwed over again. And we knew oh. it was going to be like five years before we release an album again. So we had to do something. And the only way we could do it was not, like, through the industry, I guess. So, and we didn't want to, like, not release anything. So we just did that. We did that. But I, I can't really go into much detail as to what happened because... No, it's... that's fine. That's fine. I just, I don't like hearing that you guys are constantly um, getting fucked over. I mean, that's... I mean, you, you're certainly Never learning. Gonna Never going to happen again. Yeah. Now, next thing that happened, which some people may know, some people might know, you, you guys just... It felt like you just went quiet. There was nothing... Yeah. Nothing going on, um, went really quiet. And then last year in 2017, suddenly there was like little social media pop-ups of, you know, there's someone playing bass in the studio. Um, can you talk through that time? I mean, we know there was a, some member change, all of that. But yep. was there ever um, going to stop playing music? What was what was going on during that time? This time, this time we got, when all that shit went down again, it was worse this time, and it was pretty much the band. It was pretty much over, to be honest. And uh, like we'd all pretty much kind of, I guess, given up on it in a way. Like Ali was focusing on silosis, or guitarist Martin couldn't wait around for things to get better because he'd just been married and obviously had a mortgage and like adult stuff that you need to take care of. And it was just falling apart. And we basically had like four or five songs written and we were like we really like these songs and then it got to a point where we were like let's just fucking finish the album and see what happens but it was it was quite bad that time and it's partly why we did the crowdfunded thing and, and um, it was just and then thankfully we did we'd finish the album and the songs once everything started to come together we were like fuck man these songs are so good like this is by far better than even Uprising, and that, that album did quite well. So we're like, let's just fucking put this album out and see what happens. And then we did. And we, with this album, we're pretty much doing everything on our own. We don't have management. We don't have, like, all we have is a record label and a booking agent. We don't have anything else. We do 
everything, all the social media content, like all the videos you see, like even the last music video, we um, sh- shot it and edited it ourselves. Like we do pretty much everything ourselves now and it's been the most active we've ever been and it's been without a doubt like a learning curve we've realised like if you want to do something right do it yourself because with Uprising we were signed to a big management company big record label and we released two music videos for that full album cycle it never done half as well as it could have with with ERA we released three music videos before the album had even came out because we're doing everything ourselves so we're pretty much just going to do everything ourselves from now on like Social media is powerful enough that you don't really need the backing of these people that are just taking money from you and stuff like that. So we're just going to do it all ourselves and see what happens. If it doesn't work out, then at least that was by the hands of us, not someone else fucking us over. So. And it's a fucking beast of an album. What an album, Thank dude. So oh, fuck. Um, now... It's literally so. What, see, since that album's came out, we've not played a bad show. That album has literally been perceived so well, man. Like people are like because of a bit more melody and stuff in the choruses and with the vocals, the, you can hear the crowd singing it live. Like it isn't. It is insane. Every show has been nuts since this album came out, man. Well, I, I mean, I turned a few friends onto it. I said, you know, you've got to hear this. And after they heard it, they were like. <laughs> what the fuck and everyone down here the people i've told and we reviewed it on the show um on the podcast fuck i mean i think my expectations after uprising were pretty high i was expecting and i'd heard your first few singles and i was like okay this is going to be this is going to be good but it seemed to really it's kind of knocked me out of the park because as you said there's the bit of melody there's heavy moments like it gets really thrashy in some moments then you strip it back in others um were you were you really nervous before you released it or were were the singles i had see just before we released the first single alive in january i was a nervous wreck like i was so anxious because i was like this is pretty much our last chance like shit has gone so bad so many times and I was like, now we're doing it on our own. Like, if things don't go well this time, the band's done. So I was so anxious. But thankfully it's done. It's, it's, doing, it's, it's going really well so far. So, How were the uh, release shows? Because I know you did, I think it was three or four release shows. One in Glasgow and then London and stuff. How how were they turnouts? Mental. Like, every show sold out before before the actual show and we've never sold out a full tour before i mean it was small smallish shows like the glasgow show was the biggest headline show we've ever played and that hit that um that sold out the london and manchester shows they were pretty small they were maybe only like 300 or something but they were mental like some of the crazy shows i've ever played like there was sweat dripping from the roof just bodies flying everywhere <laughs> i love those kind of shows because Growing up, I was like a proper hardcore kid. I loved like Poison the Well and 18 Visions and all this kind of stuff. And so I've just always kind of had a like a love for those types of shows. Now, a couple of the songs on this album I wanted to delve into. Um, just hang on, mind me. I'm just looking at it. Um, now, two of my, well, three of my favorites are Crown of Misery. Um, what's the, for you, the story behind the lyrics on that one? Uh, so Crown of Misery was sort of about that 
five-year period between Uprising and Era where we thought the band was pretty much done and it was just about how I dealt with that and the way I viewed it and like just how I lost this pure love for the, for, me, for like music just because of the way we had been treated and like just no one's in it for the music anymore man it's and it's fucking shit like it's total it's total shit but we are we still believe that if you get good music nothing else matters and I guess that is sort of about that and like just the way I view the way I viewed the music industry in that time we were apart and stuff and I guess in a way it's kind of it's, it's an angry song but it's also a kind of uplifting song because it's trying to find the positive and the negatives mm. and I guess that's what it's saying it's that kind of crown of misery that was hanging over our head when we we're trying to still write the album and stay positive about it and stuff like that the the other one I want to ask you about was probably it's probably my favourite bed of snakes. Um, bed of snakes. It was actually Ali wrote this song. Really? He wrote Ali wrote all what? Yeah, he wrote all the lyrics for that song, and um, I think I, I maybe wrote a couple of sections towards the end of the song, but Ali pretty much wrote all that song lyrically. Now with with this album lyrically, um, was it? Was it pretty much just pent up frustration at everything that had gone on? Like, was it just a really good yeah. vent? It's it definitely quite an aggressive, an angry album, but there's there's quite a lot of positive in it. It's just about us trying to see that light, sort of thing, at the end, and amongst all this kind of shit that was going on. And that's pretty much the concept for the whole album. And that's why it's called Era, because it's like a defining moment of everything we were going through at that point and there's, a, there's also quite a lot of political stuff in there as well because obviously look at the state of the world we live in today it's hard to not be angry about some of that stuff so there's definitely a lot of stuff in there but politics and all that stuff as well now all the usual stuff. all the all the all the cliches are covered is what you're trying to say um Very much. but there's no there's no um, i don't there's no loss of romance is there so not all the cliches no 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 no, oh, okay. So you touched four of the five cliches. That's fine. That's okay. Yes. Um, I noticed also recently linked to the album, you guys did a craft beer. Yes, we did. Yes. Where that? I mean, yes, you're Scottish. I know you love your booze. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Oh, now how how did this come about? What was the idea? So I don't think it's any secret that we all love to drink beer. We're very honest about that mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, there's this a brewery in glasgow called drygate which is genuinely one of my one of my favorite breweries they, they do some of the nicest beers i've ever tasted really like kind of belgian inspired ipas so it's good and like they've got this uh, big brewery bar rest slash restaurant thing in glasgow and we go there quite a lot for nights out and stuff so when the idea of like we've always kind of said how cool would it be to do your own beer and when the idea started actually becoming a reality we're like let's contact drygate and see if they'd be up for doing it so we did we reached out to them and they were so on board that one of the guys one of the head brewers is like a big fan of the band and he's always got era and stuff on when he's brewing the beer so they were they were excited about it as well and it just kind of went from there and then we did the show. We did a uh, we did the beer launch on Friday, and it was incredible. We played like a show and stuff in the brewery, and it was it was mental. Such a crazy show. 
we we sold out of all the beer before we even went on stage. What? So I mean, yeah. are you going to? Are you going to? I mean, it's kind of. I know beers are a bit of a hobby thing, but are you going to think about maybe kind of continuing it? Oh, we're going to. Oh, absolutely. We're we're we did uh, two hundred and fifty liters for the show, and that was just I guess sort of a test run. But the show sold out in like a week. Four hundred tickets in a week. Jesus. Yeah, it was nuts, man. I mean, that's not obviously that impressive in the grand scheme of things, but for a, a band like us, we've never done things like that before. Like, we've never even sold out shows before, and now since this album's come out, shows are just selling out, and things are like just it's, it's mental. But yeah, that show was we've done two hundred and fifty liters as a test run for the show. It sold out before we even on stage, and we're going to do a thousand liters now. So we're going to keep doing it, and then we've got plans to do like more different flavors and stuff like that. Oh, oh, oh! If only Australia could get a hold of that. Oh, yeah, yes, please. Well, oh. they are actually they are actually sorting a way of uh, posting it and stuff like that. Oh. So get a six. I don't really know too much about it. It's, it's Ali, our drummer, that deals with most of the kind of business side of the band, but he says that we're looking into. Proper put into production. There's a few bars and stuff in Glasgow that are already already wanting to stock it and stuff. Like a few metal bars and stuff. So, yeah. nice. That's a that's a great little, you know, side project kind of avenue off the band. That's something Absolutely. really quite unique. Absolutely. Um, now you're speaking of bigger shows, bigger tours. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on this year. Um, you know, I've yep. seen you got a tour with Azalea Dying coming up, which that's just going to be fucking yep. massive. Um, yeah. What else is on for the rest of the year? Um, is it? Are you going to keep going heavy with touring, or is it going to slow down soon? Yeah. What's the No, we've got. So basically, we've got all of September off. So we're going to focus on writing for September because we've already started writing the next album. I think we're maybe just it's just ideas at the minute, but we're going to we're, we're planning kind of going full steam ahead with that because I feel like between the past few albums, there's been a big break between the albums and we're not going to allow that to happen again. So the next album is, we're focusing on that. But so we've got September off and then in October, we've got like a bunch of one-off shows all over the UK. So I think we're pretty much playing like 10, 10 or 11 shows in October. And then we've got a tour in November, which is not confirmed yet, but it's kind of in the process right now. And then we've obviously got that massive tour in December. We are down. And then we've, we've already got like a few festivals booked for next year and a few tours waiting to be confirmed for next year, the start of the year. So, do you think you, um, do you think you might get down to Australia? I bloody hope so. We've already got like a few shows booked further afield, nothing confirmed yet, but Ooh. basically the furthest, the furthest we've went. So, okay, well, but I feel like one of the places where whenever we say, we need to get to the States. We need to get to Australia. It's always like those two places that's first, the first mention. So we need to get there somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it must happen. I mean, we, we kind of, we're too far away. So, I mean, we understand that we don't get tours as often um, from bands like you guys, but it needs to, I mean, maybe, I mean, there's things like download here now. I mean, there's all those things going on down here now that maybe you guys can latch on to. Um, yeah. before I kind of wrap up, there's a few things I just want to ask your opinion on, and they're things like, 
um, social media nowadays as a band um, compared to when you started to now um, do you see it as a massive positive or a massive negative or where do you see it with her? I think there's a bit of both like I think it's a great thing for it's a great thing for like bands and businesses and influencers and all this kind of stuff like I think it's like it's basically the future I think with what I was talking about earlier about us trying to do everything ourselves now I think social media is probably the only way we can actually do that like because you have a platform there to build on and people are paying attention because people are never the negative is people are never fucking off their phones and people have got this like like false idea in their head that these people on Instagram are like celebrities and all that kind of stuff and I think personally I think all that's pathetic but for like bands and businesses it's a platform to grow your grow your product and I think that is a great thing so there is I guess there's some positives and negatives but I would say there's a lot more positives than there is negative because for us to for for us to have Instagram and stuff like that it is letting us like connect with like a fan base and stuff like that in ways that you probably wouldn't get to do and like now that people don't go out and buy records and like record labels aren't the same as they used to be and stuff like that then social media is there to kind of I guess it's the future of the music industry, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean, another thing is, do you think it's now, it being in a band, even harder to hold an audience's attention? Because there is so much music out there, if you're not in their yeah. face all the time, I mean, they can kind of just switch off. Yeah, absolutely. Like, everything is just so immediate nowadays. If you don't grab someone's attention within, like, the first five seconds of whatever, with whatever you release, then you're screwed but I guess you just I guess it's just sort of a competitive thing in it if, if, mm. if there's so much competition then you need to make sure you're the best and I'm not saying we are but we're going to try our very best I, I think I think we can we can I think we can we can amp it up we'll say you are yeah I'll, I'll call it I'll say it that's yeah, fine <laughs> yeah I'll say it um what about um the Scottish scene? Where where is that at the moment? There slowly there is a few bands popping up apart from yourselves obviously. But um yeah. compared to when you guys started, um where was the scene to where do you see it now? Is it is it getting lively? Is there a lot of bands going around? Yeah, I mean seated again when that 5 year break between Uprising in Era, I was, I was saying to you that I'm pretty, I was just pretty like scunnered with everything that was going on in the music industry. So I kind of just completely just didn't pay attention to what was going on at all. But now, since the albums came out, I'm starting to get a bit more excited about it. And there's a good few bands from Scotland, like our, our guitar player, Stephen, plays in another band called From Sorrow to Serenity. Mm-hmm. And they are amazing, and they're busy, and they're like hard working. Do every again, do everything themselves. They're getting tours. They're constantly releasing content. They're hard working. There's a band from Scotland. I think it's called Loath. Loath, mm-hmm. I think they're called. Mm-hmm. And again, they're getting quite high profile tours and all that now. And like, other than us and the metal kind of scene, I don't, I don't really remember it of any other bands that were kind of going out on tour and like really pushing it. So I guess. Now that there's at least a few that I can name in the metal scene, I guess that's a good thing. And we've never like 
right now is the biggest shows we've been playing in Glasgow, so I guess that can only be a good thing as well. Well, it's also so, a sign of the success of the album, I guess. I mean, it shows you you guys are writing, you know, clearly the best album so far of the career. Um, yeah. Last kind of question is, um, is there something that you th- you you're going to keep pushing? Is there going to be a couple more albums, um, or is this record industry going to keep you know pushing you down? I mean, what I'm basically saying is, you're going to give a middle finger up, and you're going to keep striving. Absolutely, man. We're, we're we're going nowhere. Like we we see era as the start of our career, and we've already got another album. Like I wouldn't even say well underway, but there's definitely ideas there for the next album and we don't plan waiting long to release it so this is just we're doing everything ourselves now and it's as i said to you earlier it's been the most active most proactive i've ever been and we're going to keep that up and this is literally just the beginning of our band fuck yeah now the last section i do scott is um it's called pick your poison so it's a bit bit of a fun section here so i give you two options you have to pick right. the one you'd stick with for the rest of your life. Sounds easy, but right. it's going to be a bit... Okay, so we'll start off. Pizza or burger? Burger. Okay. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Okay. Beer or whiskey? Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Bap or bat or butty? Bap or butty? Mm. Was that like a like a bread roll? Mm-hmm. Eh, I don't know the difference. What's the difference? It's um, I got an English wife, so uh, bap is. Hang on, Rachel. We're gonna do a mid mid interview check in on the definition. Rachel. <laughs> hang on. She she's she's from England, so she knows the meaning. I'm I'm not. Okay, what's the difference between a bath and a butty? A butty. Oh. oh, here she goes. She's angry now. Okay, say hi, Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what's the difference between a bath and a butty? A bath is from south, and a butty's up north. Oh, okay. I was saying you'd be oh, a butty. Oh, you neither. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to go for butty. Okay, we'll go, buddy. Yeah, she said that's a really good question for anyone that's from England I was, or Scotland. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'll throw that in. We, we call we call it a roll. Ah, see, you're formal. Yeah, yeah you're formal. Yeah. Okay, mayo or brown sauce? Mayo. Cooking or dining out? Dining out. Okay. I do love cooking, but I love going out for food. Okay, cinema or couch? cinema all right well this one's going to be a silly one beach or snow i mean beach <laughs> <laughs> okay another easy... <laughs> <laughs> this should be an easy one skateboard or rollerblade skateboard okay cat or dog dog ps4 or xbox neither oh terminator or predator uh, brother. terminator uh, Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Okay. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Uh, MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? 
I don't know who either of those are. <laughs> we'll, we'll just say we'll say MacGyver, Slayer Let's or Pantera. Pantera. Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Well, I can see your shirt. Metallica. Yeah. Metallica. Sabbath or Van Halen? Sabbath. Okay. Okay, last few. Football or rugby? Football. Okay. Who do you follow? Rangers. Are you happy with having Gerard? No. No? I'm happy with Gerard, but I'm not happy with the team. They're fucking terrible now, man. I mean, I think he's trying to make too many changes at once. I mean, he's brought in, what, 11 players or something? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it's a good thing. I definitely think it's a positive thing that Gerard is here. But it's early days. I think they're going to get better again. I'm just, I'm being positive. What was it? You lost to them on the weekend, though, didn't you? In the derby. Yeah, on the day of my birthday. And I watched the game on the day of my birthday and oh. ruined my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, mosh pit or up the back? If I'm watching a show, I'm always up the back. If I'm on stage, I want people to be mosh pitting. So I'm going to go, I'm going to say mosh pit. Okay. Um, touring or recording? Touring. Okay. Last one, CD, vinyl or downloading? Uh, I download more, but I would, I'm going to have to say vinyl. Ah. I, lo- I have a small collection of vinyls and I, I love vinyl. But if I'm being honest, I download more. Yeah, see, I'm the same. i got a nice little vinyl collection. i got a really good CD collection, but I just constantly yeah. constantly stream and download. But it's because I'm always listening to music or on the go, on my phone, in the gym or whatever, and I've always just got music on my phone, so I just download. Um, Scott, fuck yeah, man. Like, nice chat, dude. Um, really, really, really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me, man. So that was my chat with Scott from Bleed From Within. Thank you so, so much, dude, for taking some time out for me and the Mosh Zone. So much respect, so much appreciation. Thank you so, so much. Now, guys, of course, if you haven't discovered Bleed From Within's music yet and you haven't discovered their latest album, Era, now's the time. Get off your ass, get those fingertips ready, get on Bandcamp, get on Spotify, get on iTunes, delve in and discover this band's phenomenal discography. Thank you again, Scott. Really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see you in Australia with the band soon. So that's it for the Mosh Zone episode 38, done and dusted, wrapped up, all done, in the can. Thank you for listening Thank you for giving us your time. Now, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for lasting all the way through the show. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you will come back for future episodes over future weeks. If you're a regular listener, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Much love, much appreciated. Now, guys, if you've got some free time this week, help us grow this show. Help us out. Tell your friends about the show. Tell anyone you know that likes heavy music about the Mosh Zone. Also, if you really enjoyed this episode, help us out with a share on your social medias. 
Also, guys, as always, I need to remind you, don't forget to subscribe to the website. The website is www.themoshzone.com. Also, don't forget to like and follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. Make sure you stay in touch with everything that's going on with The Mosh Zone. So make sure you're liking, subscribing, all of that jazz. Stay up to date with us when we update you. So that's it. Nothing else for me to say except make sure you have a great week. Make sure you stay safe. Open the press.